Welcome to Event Up, the place where people enthusiastic about events stay in the know on the latest trends within the events industry. Live, hybrid, and virtual experiences. From virtual events to conferences, award galas, and everything in between. Here's your host, Amanda Ma. Hello, welcome to Event Up, the place to get the latest and greatest in event industry news, ideas, and topics. In this episode, we'll be discussing events and immersive experiences in the gaming industry. Today, mm -hmm. I'm joined by Megan Pulver, Head of Production of Global Life Events and Experiences and Exec Producer at Riot Games. <laughs> Megan is a cross-functional lead producer who manages end-to-end -end audience experiences marketing campaigns and teams by providing overall strategic vision and executional excellence. She focuses on working with her team to create new, immersive, cross-platform experiences and high-impact, result-driven moments. And she was recently a speaker at Event Marketers Experiential Marketing Summit in Las Vegas. On top of that, she has received multiple awards, including Top Women in Events 2022, Top Women, you know, to watch, by event marketer, as well as one of their, many of their actually events have been featured. And, but most recently the X award 2022, they were featured as well for experiential marketing. So, so excited to have her here today to kind of share her thought leadership with us. So let's go ahead and jump in. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is so great. So Megan, the number one question is always, how did you get started in this industry? Yeah, I kind of did it a little bit by happenstance, honestly. Um, I mostly in college, I really wanted to do more than just study um, and knew that was important. But one of the things that I really liked doing was bringing people together. And so I just sort of started doing it. Um, one for my sorority and then, um, two for Greek life and then, uh, really evolved more into student government. And so I got to be a part of things like bringing, um, concerts to our university for the first time ever. So I think one of the first concerts was actually Kanye West way back in the day. Um, and then Jay-Z and Kelly Clarkson and Katy Perry when she was just coming out. So we sort of started doing all these things and then, um, it's a huge school. So really taking on bigger and bigger projects. Um, and then when I graduated, I knew I wanted to do something in entertainment. I love movies a lot and TV. Um, and so I moved to Los Angeles and started working in entertainment um, at a film studio. I worked at Lionsgate for a couple of years. And there, uh, same thing. I just kind of was volunteering across a number, number of fronts. And one of the spaces that I volunteered for is uh, somebody got sick. And so I got put on to be like a car captain, um, which was literally managing all the cars that came in through the, you know, uh, red carpet and all that kind of stuff. And so um, then I just kind of became a staple on all of our events. And then over time, um, just start taking on more and more roles. So eventually I was um, producing things like our Comic-Con presence and um, South by Southwest, all our festivals, junkets, press days, um, all that kind of good jazz. It just came really naturally. And I think people picked up on that. Um, and so I'm a natural multitasker by, uh, 
by habit, I will say. And so I think that was skill sets that lended well and stay calm under pressure. Um, and so, yeah. And then I just started to, I kept doing it is the point. And then got picked up by different um, companies over time and kind of always blurred the edge between, you know, sort of strategic high level objectives. Like how do we move forward as a company or with the things that we want to do? And then events became a natural part of doing that. Um, and so I kind of blended a little bit of my business background with my um, kind of events and experiences and then uh, started developing a style, I guess, and eventually um, got hit up by Riot, uh, Riot Games to do events for them. They were looking for a combination of somebody who had gaming in their, in their background um, as a person, but also a little bit on uh, the work side and then um, had a breadth of experience. Uh, so I had a bunch of different experiences that I pulled from um, and that was super interested or interesting to them at the time. And then um, I've been sort of doing the both. So both and for several years at Riot, I've been there almost seven years. Um, and yeah, just really, that was always a part of our mix of the things that we, we wanted to do. Um, but I started spreading out and producing across a number of different fronts. Um, and then events was always just the thing I was really good at that people, I think, recognized I just had a knack for. <laughs> um, especially as we became a bigger company and, and the complexity of the things that we were trying to produce, but also integrate into these big moments. And so um, I naturally sort of took a lot of those things on and um, yeah, now in my current role, we um, are focused on building out those more exclusively. So it's a big uh, change, but also a really fun one to kind of be focused on that um, now versus kind of did breath for a big long time. Um, and now I'm doing a lot more focus and particularly in events. So I'm excited. That's great. It's so fascinating. And you obviously, you know, not only you do showcase your skill set internally, but also you got a lot of recognition from our industry, right? I saw you had the Clio Awards in 2022. You had the Grand X Award. That's like the for the best overall. Those are hard to get. The best entertainment activation and best hybrid event program. That's all 2021. You should leave some awards for other people, Megan. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, those were, I mean, just so humbling. It was so wonderful to be recognized by the industry. And that's certainly not why we do the things that we do at Riot, you know, we really want to make sure that we're producing events for players and that that experience that we can give to them is paramount and super important, but it is nice to dip over back into industry spaces to really talk about some of the stuff that myself and our colleagues are doing, um, because it is, a, I feel like a little bit of like a hermit um, category and Gaming is so interesting and innovative, and um, it's really a place that is fun to talk about. And so it's nice to go to these spaces where um, the best of the best are thinking about cool stuff and to, to be a part of that is really wonderful. That's great. What are some trends you are seeing in the event industry right now? I think a couple of things come to mind. One is um, hyper-focus, right? I think... Uh, for a while, there was a lot of breath and particularly before the pandemic, it was like, how do we go bigger? How do we make bigger splashy moments? And now I sort of see overall trending into how do we make 
um, smart decisions about the people that we are really targeting and how do we use budgets in a way that speak the most to those people. So events and, and event um, leaders are being asked to really think even more strategically than they ever did, um, I think, before. And so that, I think, is a big trend. Um, another trend is figuring out the blend between virtual and in-person. Um, those of us who've obviously produced a lot of events in person know the power of those. But in the pandemic, I think there was a big swing towards virtual. Um, and I think what we're seeing now in a lot of the reports that are coming out is a trend that shows us that people want to go in person. They like digital stuff too. Um, and that industry is definitely growing year over year, but um, the in-person hasn't gone away. We didn't replace that uh, with digital. And so now it's about producing events that Maybe sometimes they don't blend, but maybe some, sometimes they do. And so finding those balances is where I think a lot of leaders in the space are being asked to think about, right, and provide recommendations and explore. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we had to go through that, too, during the pandemic as well, right? Like, it's not one size fits all and a certain type of events works better, so you really yeah. had to really strategically look at it and say what's going to make the biggest impact. And then for the audience that we're trying to attract yeah. as well, right? Yeah. And they're not all one-to-one. -one. I mean, there are um, folks that, that again, only want to go to the in-person experience. They don't really want to sit at their computer and watch something. Or um, even if you have all the bells and whistles digitally, um, maybe that's not enough for you to want to attend or pay for something. Um or vice versa, like you maybe don't want to go out and be with hundreds of thousands of people and you want a more like intimate experience that a digital version could provide, particularly if you live in a space that doesn't have major events come your way. Um, so yeah, to your point, it's a lot about focusing in on who you're really trying to target and then providing them the best experience possible, right? Yeah, for sure. And you've done so many events, so... I need you to pick one and tell, I would love to hear which one's your favorite that you have championed and why. Ooh, favorite one. Um, like well, there's a your favorite child. Yeah, <laughs> I know it is. Um, it's uh, the first one that comes to mind is a project that we did in 2019 at Riot that um, was originally going to be very different. We wanted to release and announce um, new games that we we're making. We'd only made one game up until that point that players knew about. Um, and uh, traditionally when you announce new games, it was very much at like a convention and it was somebody, you know, usually an executive on stage with a prepared speech and a big screen and, you know, audience and industry press in front of you. <clears throat> and that was kind of the standard at that time. Um, but for Riot, that didn't really feel close to who we were. We really try to be authentic. And our, our mission is very much to be the most player-focused company in the world. And so that didn't quite align with that statement for us. And so um, at the time, I was kind of on a project manager on, on the project initially um, with the idea that I was going to help produce it. And I was just like, man, this just doesn't feel like us. I feel like we could do something different, more, more true to who we could be or who we want to be. And, um, so pulled in a couple of friends, uh, within the company and said like, can we just 
if we were free from restrictions, what would we do? And then we presented it to um, one of the co-founders, Mark Merrill at the time, and he was super jazzed about it and really felt like maybe this is something we do. And then we started talking to other people in the company and they were like, okay, that actually sounds really interesting. And then um, we pulled together like truly an Avengers team. We'd never really worked with each other, the people who came together for that project. And then eventually we brought the whole company in to help with the moment. And it was this big surprise secret um, that we didn't tell players about. We very much wanted to celebrate 10 years of our game. Um, and that was a big moment for us and for players. But then as part of our gift to them and a thank you, we just surprise dropped all of our games that we were releasing, um, talking about working on and that we were making a TV show and other things. So it was a big moment for us internally, but also for players who were like, oh my gosh, like this is everything and more. Like I, there's too much, right? Was the kind of sentiment, but it really struck home on um, the things that made them love the game in the first place uh, and the community and REP. I mean, games are not just playing games is a huge part of it, right? Is our mastery and competition, but it's also like the community that you are a part of day in, day out. And so us authentically speaking to them in this way felt so true and we knew when we hit it, um, but it was really rewarding. And it was, it's still one of the best days um, that I can think of. And when I'm frustrated about producing events or things are really challenging and hard, I try and remember especially the players' faces that we did bring on to campuses worldwide and in our regional offices, their reactions are like nothing I have experienced before had experienced and just like how grateful they were. And we were like, we're grateful to you. And it was just this really amazing moment of everyone coming together to celebrate something so fun and wonderful. Um, and uh, it was a proud moment of just taking a really big risk. It was probably the riskiest thing that I had suggested, but also produced. We produced it in 62 days. Um, wow. Start to finish, which spanned three continents. It was a whole yeah. feature film. It was in like an hour and 15 minutes, plus coordinating a, like, um, a pre-registration for our upcoming game getting everybody to release stuff that maybe they weren't ready to. It was a huge endeavor and um, it was a really risky production. So it was the first time that I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to try something. We're going to swing for the fences. And I'm happy that it was a success across numerous fronts um, and really brought to life, like how much we really care about the people that we work for. So um, which are our players. <laughs> so, yeah. That's so powerful. And I think it definitely shine through, you know, not only from, and it's a, it's a game changer, honestly, right? Because you said that it used to be done a certain way and it's always a yep. little bit uncomfortable when you're trying to change it, but let alone like you only have 62 days to do all of it. That's insane. And I love what you said about, you know, come on, for those of us in event, there are definitely moments you're just like, this is crazy. You know, and then you kind of look at the good times and like, it's okay. I remember those faces or that, that moment, right. That kind of keep us going in our endeavor yeah. in terms of like what it is that we do. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 100%. It's, it's really powerful when, um, you, you get to stand in front of the pe people that you make things for. And sometimes it's not always great, right. You have to also be open to hearing feedback on it, but 
when you feel really strongly about something and you fight for it and then it's reciprocated on the other end. I think that's what keeps me going on, on events and why I think they're so powerful because they just move people in a way that other things in life can't, um, or don't, uh, these are really strong moments in your life that you remember forever. And that's, uh, both really, really humbling to be a part of, but also incredibly, um, scary, right. To affect people in such a way. And so I really think about that a lot, uh, a lot. Yeah. That's great. And how is gaming innovating in the event space as well as highlighting deep storytelling and immersiveness? Yeah, you know, gaming is um, interesting. It's kind of having its moment, I feel like, uh, right now. And the way that, you know, kids and, and young adults are growing up is is now gaming is a huge part of a lot of people's lives. Um, it was always like that for a long time. Like we have a ton of players, just ourselves, but also gaming in general. And it was never cool. It was never really talked about, but now it's just like so much part of life. Um, and so on the one end, gaming itself has such rich stories. Um, TV and film have always been that and books, right? But I don't think people think about gaming as much, but I think we're seeing that a lot with like things um, like The Witcher, as well as The Last of Us, uh, and and hopefully even you know Arcane when it came out from our end. Um, really powerful stories that are amazing and so rich. The stories are so deep and interconnectivity between um, the, the the characters and in our case the champions um, is so broad and even stuff that we've never talked about or released. And it's fun to talk about that. Right. Um, and so that's on the one end of just gaming in general, but on the other hand for events, you know, some of the things that we did for the release of Arcane as a company, we, we try stuff that nobody does, right? Like we put our IP in another game. Like that's just not usually normal um but it was a big moment for gaming like we wanted this to be not just about us but also just gaming in general like here's what we can do when we all work together and celebrate like another you know coming out of an amazing you know entertainment product that pulls back into the games we love um, but also in the event space we did our premiere in a way that was kind of not traditional we didn't just do a red carpet that just had press and talent on it we actually invited players to be the stars they were the talent so we did things like um had our actual influencers like the folks that community content creators they were the features telling the folks on the carpet what was going on they were filmed they had the microphones they were interviewing talent they were interviewing you know us but um they were telling that story right because they're the ones that speak to millions of players worldwide um and we don't need to you know, overcorrect on those things. Like they do it better than sometimes we do. Um, and so they were the stars. And then we uh, didn't even show the show to anybody before it was released. We wanted players to see it first. So like no press and none of the industry standards that you sort of do, we didn't have any of that because it was really all about giving to players because they're the ones who make us uh, or allow us to provide these, things for them, right? And so things like that are are small instances, but I even see um, people coming in through these entertainment products like The Last of Us or 
um, The Witcher, for example, and they had no idea that this is something that came from a game, right? And now it's opening up another avenue for people who really love that story to come in. Um, and and gaming is such an interesting thing because it's it's an active thing, right? A lot of events and premieres, particularly in entertainment, are so passive. You're sitting back and you're watching, which is a great experience. But then being able to immediately go and do things afterwards and and be immersed in the worlds that you love and walk around, you know, the spaces and places that you've just seen in TV or, or film is really amazing. And that's that's a space where you start seeing this blend between, you know, digital events, IRL events, um, and where that crossover starts happening is really fascinating. I think gaming does that um, in a way you know, folks like Disney can't do, right? You go to the theme parks, you have that experience, which is amazing. And maybe you can play the games sort of slightly, but, um, you know, other gaming companies can allow you to really go deep in a way that you can't necessarily do just in person. Um, and so a lot of the spaces and places that we play in is, is thinking about that full circle of a journey. We call it the player journey. Um, but literally from the moment they leave their house to the moment they come back and play the game, you know, we're thinking about that whole entire experience, um, which is a huge innovation in and of itself. Uh, and even thinking about technology, right? Like we think about that a lot. It's super important for players um, to have quality graphics and, and things that push the limits, right? Our opening ceremonies for our esports tournaments constantly are defining what good looks like. We had a artist who was like blown away and they were like you guys are doing this better than the Super Bowl and so they're like we had no idea things like that I think gaming really offers a, a totally different avenue for people to experience things and that's what we're making that's so interesting I love just all the integration the connectivity that yeah. you guys are building and that end of the day like incorporating of course innovation right I feel like then that's like really pushing the limits so that's so exciting to hear yeah totally Mm -hmm. is perfect segue to my next question, you know, because you kind of touch upon it as well, but what makes an event from good to great? Ooh, I think we've all one. been to so many good events, but it's the great events that are truly memorable, truly life-changing. Yeah. I think a great event is something that um, really speaks to people on, on a different level, right? We can recognize good quality. That's important. I think you, you got to get past that for people to really feel depth of their experience. And it can be small things. I mean, I think it often is. Details for me are really important. Um, they're not always the most expensive or the most flashy, but they are deeply meaningful. And when you have those elements that really speak to the person who you are trying to reach, they're profound, right? You're really noticing those more than sometimes the big flashy things that are very visible and upfront. Um, I think when you really, really see the people in those moments, that's uh, really what makes a great event. Like I think of, um, I think Taylor Swift does this, you know, really well as an example where she brought in her most kind of dedicated fans, the ones who evangelize her music and speak well to who she is she brought them in I think even to her house and super intimate gatherings and then let them listen to uh, her album before it was released um, and that was deeply meaningful you know they want to connect with her and 
hear her talk about the tracks and hear her talk about the thing that they also love. And, you know, they had really great little decor. I think she even made them like pies and cookies, like directly from her and brought out her cats. The things that really make her a whole person, a whole brand, allowing uh, the folks that care a lot about that, but also speak to a lot of her fans, giving him that peek inside while lo-fi, I'm sure that was not, you know, huge expense, but it spoke to the people who it was meant for. And I think examples like that really make a great event is seeing, really truly seeing and understanding those people and what they care about. Um, I think matters more than any money you could throw at it, honestly. And that's so genius. Like, you know, how she does that, right? Inviting some of her most intimate fans to do that. I actually recently just came back from Napa. So I bought a book that was by Robert Mondavi and they did the same thing. So prior to like releasing a new, you know, wine and whatnot, but they have not only expert, but they also invited some of their fans because sometimes, you know, as brands, we get very commercialized, right? Mm -hmm. You forget like at the end of the day, who are you making this wine for? Who are you making this event for? So I thought that was like so brilliant that they did that because they want to make sure the words they're using speaks to the people that are selling their wine to, you know, so it's, I think that's really great. And then for those people that are trying to kind of segue into another topic, but still gaming, how do you suggest folks look that want to break into the gaming space? How can they do that? The first is, um, of course, gaining experience. I mean, any type of experience that you're having on events is great. But specifically, you're interested in gaming, you know, if you're in college, there's a ton of gaming clubs to get involved with. And if you're interested in events, or maybe you're not sure, actually talking to the people there, and maybe you're producing little fun nights for them and really getting to know specifically like what they care about if you're not a player yourself, um, to finding Games that you love. There's so many games uh, that people can play that are are awesome. You don't have to be, you know, what we call a hardcore gamer, uh, which is somebody who like spends a ton of time in game at really high skill cap, right? Really hard games to enjoy games. There's so many um, types. And so finding which ones you really love and then finding the things you really love about them is really helpful. And then, um, really understanding more about the community. It can be really open and welcoming. So finding people that talk on podcasts or on, um, you know, like here in the States and North America and Europe, we have things like Twitch, which is where you watch, you know, people playing games. And so sometimes discovering what's out there and what's coming out and how they talk about it really fun. Um, And then there's clubs, there's meetups, there's Instagram, there's TikTok. There's so many things that you can explore and so really finding more about what it's like and then when you do gain experience um trying to seek out people in the industry that are willing to talk to you and just taking a chance to ask them to go to coffee and learn more about what they do i think networking is sometimes a dirty word but i really say it's about having um connections with people and not going into something expecting uh, the other person do you a favor, right? You're asking for their time. That's valuable. And if you're coming in with an open heart, asking for advice, or again, just to have a conversation, I find most people are willing to do that for you. Um, and that can open up doors of like, Hey, 
maybe you want to volunteer on this thing um, to gain more experience and then looking for those opportunities to do so. Like that's deeply meaningful. Um, and then volunteering is also helpful. Like we get involved with a lot of charities and whatnot. And so that's a really helpful avenue as well. But gaming's great because you can create digital events all the time. Like we have Discord where you actually can create parties, like rating parties and um, watch parties and things like that. So really being a part of the community is really important too. Um, and then last but not least, maybe not specifically for events, but gaming has all types of people in it. Lawyers, uh, marketers, you know, HR people. We're fortunate to have chefs uh, at our uh, our business, you know, thinking about all of those things, you know, you don't have to necessarily be a dev um, or a software developer to work in a gaming company. Like we have all types of um, roles and opportunities. So if you are young or you're in college or thinking about career change, really just getting to know more about the industry, it's so broad and there's so many things you can do um, that those would all be great things to, to attend and Last but not least, if you are interested in a gaming events, go to them, go to conventions, go to the spots where people who are part of the community are hanging out and you'll learn a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The more you expose yourself, the more you see, the more you also understand and appreciate and also, right? It's just, it's just yeah, all amplified. Right. Yeah. And since right. you have so much success, Megan, with your professional career, what is the one thing that has helped you propel your success tremendously? Getting really good at the soft skills is really important. Um, as many know who are probably listening to this podcast, like you have to have the technical skill set. You have to have that, right? Uh, events are so complex. You have to be an expert in like 50, 100 different things all the way to like legal and unions and, you know, safety and all of those kinds of things. But what has got me the most um, in my career pushed me ahead is honing in on soft skills, being able to talk to people about your experience humbly, but still in a way that positions you as a person who does have experience and does have a background, really owning your story and finding that really helpful. And then figuring out ways to collaborate with people as event people, we're often you know, straight to the point. We don't have a lot of time. We got to get it done. And sometimes there's a world for that. And then other times there's a world for kind of um, more delicate communication, helping people to understand why you want something or why you need something or why it's important. And then sometimes listening to what they find important um, and using that language to respond back to them. Sometimes it's not about every single detail that you could probably list off of your milestone or your work bag, your production plans. A lot of times it is, Hey, I understand more about what we're trying to strategically achieve. Here's a couple of elements that contribute to that. I am thinking about that and it trickles all the way down to where the lights are and <laughs> where the bathrooms consist and all that kind of stuff. It's like so deeply important to understand the why you're doing something um, and then be able to thread that needle all the way through to the person who comes on site. The more you can learn about folks that are in positions uh, that oversee events for your company, your business, and how they think about it, um, the better you're going to be armed to 
to advocate for events or advocate for the things that you know how to do. So really listening and learning is a big part of it, but also owning your your narrative and not being afraid to own that power, particularly as women. I think we oftentimes struggle with that and it is difficult, but um, finding the way to do that in a way that people understand and can um, receive is really, really important. I think that has served me well, particularly in the last couple of years since I've been more able to hone in on that, I think. That's fantastic. So many good advice, Megan. And then how do you practice self-care? I'm sure you're one busy person. Yeah. I've more recently thought about it in the last couple of years as a tank, right? I have a really high threshold for stress and I work really hard and all those things, but I'm finding that unlike doing these big vacations or whatnot and working up to that, um, actually lowering that level of stress and frustration and whatnot in daily little doses actually contributes a lot more to overall health and wellness and, and space for yourself than just, I'm going to finish this project and then I'm going to take a big vacation. So things like instead of building an office in one of my extra rooms, I actually built a gym and less like a hardcore gym that made me feel like if I'm not in there, I'm not doing something or accomplishing and I feel bad about it. I actually made it a little bit more of a Zen space. So I wanted to go in there. And a lot of times when I'm having a bad day or I'm particularly frustrated or stressed about something, I'll actually just go in there and sit and put on a candle and sometimes watch TV, but also read in there. Um, and then of course I'll work out, but things like that I find are really helpful and they're small. I mean, I do like 20 minutes in there just to take those moments. Another thing that um, I've done more recently because of the pandemic is to take a walk outside. Like the five minutes out in the sunshine will do you really, really well. And then the third is enjoying not working. Um, sometimes we're kind of rushing like to the next thing and I can only do my errands on the weekend and I can't, you know, get this thing accomplished. And maybe I've got to go like work on this project in the evening and whatnot. And so it's like, I spend time in the morning, just going to get like a coffee. Sometimes that makes me happy. Um, or I've just done things for myself, like instead of doing my laundry myself, which definitely saves me some money. I hate doing laundry. I, it just like, I hate it. It feels, it is a chore to me. It's like work. And so I found a, a laundromat that will fluff and fold that for me and give it back to me. And little things like that just take up so much of your space that does not fill you with happiness. And so if you can find those things, you can afford to do those things. I say, do it. And like I said, it can be as simple as a coffee where you're just like, I'm just going to take a coffee and I'm going to not look at email during this entire five minutes. And I'm going to be okay with that. Like, those are the things that I think, um, I've really tried to do in the last couple of years that have helped me immensely, particularly when things are stressful and frustrating, losing my cool a little less because I'm able to lower that sort of threshold in my tank. You know, it's not filling up and overflowing before I take a vacation and try to reset. It's like, you know, halfway through Hawaii, I'm like, oh God, I got to go back to work. Um, but in these little moments, I'm finding 
bliss and that's really helping to give me clarity and also creative um time yeah yeah the world will not fall apart in five minutes so you can finish 100 percent you know and yes. that's okay that's not instant I know sometimes people want instant responses but I think five minutes or even a few minutes you know it's okay and I think also mm. whenever there's that trigger I think if any then that's those are the moments you need to take extra time take a breath yeah. meditate walk like you said I also picked up walking during the pandemic and it was the best thing yeah. I think I would not be mentally healthy if I didn't start that but because I started that it was really phenomenal Absolutely. Like I've even done that at events where, you know, I think in some ways, a lot of really great event people are very empathetic, actually, because that really, you know, touches at your heart. You're trying to create happiness at the end of the day for a lot of things you're doing. Right. And as part of that, I know um, that I'm particularly affected by other people's energy. Sometimes I can remain calm when everyone's panicking, but I didn't realize how much that was affecting me at the end of the day where I was carrying on that. And so on events, when there are a lot of people coming to you for every, you know, meeting and make a decision now and whatnot, there's a, a time uh, more recently in the last couple of events where I've been like, you know what, I will absolutely come back to you with an answer, but I'm going to take a five minute walk and I'll come back to you literally in five minutes. You can time me, but I'm going to take a moment or I'll just go in a quiet room and lock the door and I will be just in there and I'll take a few breaths. And then when I come back out, I'm so much better for it. They are better for it because it takes off the initial, I think, panic and edge that a lot of people feel when they are not used to producing events like we all are. Yeah, all especially um, at events, you know? Especially, yeah. And sometimes you can't do that, right? If something's on fire, I would not suggest taking a five-minute break. <laughs> but um, like actually on fire. But if things are coming at you to really just be mindful of that and check in with yourself and not just give your whole self, I think it's really, really important for us to be able to do that and just verbalize and say, I actually just need a five minutes. I'll come back to you in five, right? And hold that boundary which is really hard um, to do. And again, particularly as women, I feel this way sometimes, you know, we want the immediate answer. We feel like we have to give that. And I learned from honestly, some of my male colleagues that they don't feel that same sense of pressure. And when I took a look at it, I was like, you know what, maybe I don't either. I'm going to try to just give somebody back. Like, I'm not going to give you an answer right now and see how it went. And, you know, people are like, oh, okay, wow. Um, and so I think that's been really helpful for myself, for my mental clarity and, and well-being, but also for others around me, it, it helps cool the situation in a way that you didn't, you wouldn't think, but it does. Yeah. I love that. I mean, such good tips there. So hopefully, you know, for all of you that are tuning in, if you need a moment, just say take five, but make sure you do come back. <laughs> Yes, definitely come back. Follow, follow, follow back follow up through. with those people. <laughs> yes, yes. But it, it makes a big difference. So thank you for talking. We actually just talked about this in my entrepreneur group the other day. We're just, you know, everybody's not high stress, but everybody's juggling a lot, you know, and yeah. between business and community and family and everything else. So like sometimes you just need to take that moment and like breathe. You know? So mm-hmm. that's so great. Any additional advice you want to share with the audience today, Megan? 
the one that actually just is top of mind is um, if you haven't followed Calm on Instagram, you totally should. They occasionally do these really great posts where it's like a five second like circle that you watch and it's like you just breathe. And man, are those really great in moments when you need them? Um, and they pop up and you're like, okay, I do want to take a breath right now. Um, but also, you know, I think the other big kind of aspirational thing I'll leave with, with folks is I really hope that folks want to keep dreaming and keep trying to innovate and create, but also, uh, don't be afraid to, again, own your power and own the things that we are making, which is super powerful. Keep going because the space is so amazing and it really does affect so many people. And I hope that if somebody is, you know, stressed and, and looking to get out of this business that maybe hearing that people are affected by your work and do see you and um, you, the work that you do is so important to them that hopefully that that resonates. But there's a lot, there's a lot we can do. Just don't give yourself away in the process. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I, I a hundred percent agree. So thank you for saying that. Cause a lot of people did lose confidence during the pandemic, right? Because it is, yeah. they see it like, oh, oh my gosh, like everything shut down, my career shut down, but there's always ways to come back. I mean, I always say event planner were the most resilient and most solution oriented, fabulous people. Yes. So, you know, take it, Megan's advice and run with that. Well, Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. And for those of you that are tuning in, if you have any questions or want to reach out to Megan, you know, she's on LinkedIn. But other than that, like, thank you so much. This was really great. So thank you for sharing thank your time you. with us. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. This was super fun. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode of Event Up. If your company is looking to level up your event experience, we are your solution. We do all the work. You take all the credit. Give us a call. Don't forget to share and subscribe for more episodes. If you like what you heard today, please share with a friend. We look forward to connecting with you next time. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time on Event Up.